Welcome back to My Opinion Sports. Thanks for joining us today. We got an NFL trade. Saints and Eagles decide to swap some picks, only picks, which is kind of a rare trade that's not happening on draft day or like the day before the draft to trade only picks. But Saints give to the Eagles pick number 18, pick 101, pick 237, and then a first round in 2023 and a second round in 2024. In exchange, the Eagles give the Saints pick 16 and 19 and a six-round pick. So whenever there's a trade like this, the Saints had pick 18 and they wanted to move to 16. So they wanted to jump pick 17. And uh, I didn't realize who had pick 17 when I first looked at this. Um, and I thought, who, who would the Saints want that they're scared that pick 17 is going to take? And I thought, I think the Steelers are kind of in that range. And it's been pretty well reported that uh, Mike Tomlin's just in love with Malik Willis and they need a QB. And, and the Saints could be in the quarterback market, perhaps. Um, kind of uncertain room there. So maybe the Saints are jumping the Steelers, going from 19, jumping 17, getting to 16 so they can take Malik Willis um, before the Steelers you know, would obviously probably take him in that spot. And then I look at it, and I uh, guess who has pick 17? Oh, uh, the Chargers. So the Saints lost some offensive linemen in free agency, and that's probably an area where they would look to draft as well. It's not a guarantee. You know, they could still just, you know, be moving up further, uh, maybe preventing, you know, the Steelers from doing a trade with the Eagles to move up to pick 16, preventing the Saints from taking Willis if they know they're both interested. So we'll see what happens there. It's interesting. Um, they could look to draft an offensive lineman, which it looks like the Chargers would be in the offensive line market in the draft now. Heading into free agency, I would have said, oh, we're probably going to draft D-line or corner and then offensive line. We addressed D-line and corner pretty well in free agency. We could look you know, further into that position. I know everyone loves Jordan Davis, but I'm not sold on him fully. Um, it looks like offensive line is our biggest need. And so if that's the Saints move at 16, that definitely hinders us. Um, but we'll see what happens. First round picks have normally worked out for us recently, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, coming up in the podcast, I'm going to have my buddy Andrew Oron. He's a big Raider fan and Suns fan. So we're going to talk some NBA MVP resumes. We're going to do some blind resume tests. I'm going to do a little bit of that before I bring him on as well. And then we're going to talk state of the AFC West. We're going to get a good Raiders fan's perspective on that. So that'll be fun as well. So stick around for that. Um, I did want to just talk about the national championship men's men's national championship that just went on yesterday. Uh, I'm a UNC guy. None of the colleges that I attended ever had a men's basketball team, and I lived in North Carolina for a couple years, um, so I lean UNC. I could have picked Duke, but Tar Heels, best jersey, powder blue, looks like the Chargers kind of. Uh, you know, I like the history of Michael Jordan, uh, James Worthy. I like it. So been been a UNC guy for almost 10 years now. Um, UNC had 25 straight years of not losing any game when leading by 15 points at the half. And then they lose in the national championship game with that lead. Uh, it's pretty tragic. Armando Baycott, who's just a stud, 100 boards in the tournament. He had 21 boards versus Duke. And he rolled his ankle again versus Kansas with 45 seconds left in the game when it was tight. The next play, Kansas comes out, immediately goes to the low post and gets the go-ahead basket. And that just sucks. You know, UNC lost and it showed Baycott on the sideline crying. Uh, feel terrible for that guy. You know, it's interesting. Like, I definitely like the NBA more than college hoops, 
but I get the appeal, like especially in March Madness, it's like every game is a game seven. And then you finally get to the end of all these game sevens and it's just, you know, the culmination of all of it's pretty intense. And uh, it just sucks for these guys, especially ones that maybe don't have great potential of having a long NBA career. Like this is this is their moment and they're like in their early 20s or late teens. It's just crazy to have that much pressure, um, not much writing on it. But one thing I've noticed about college athletics, at least college hoops, fans are so much more like supportive and like loving and caring it sounds all soft but like you read the comments after like an nfl team loses a game and it's like oh pain 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 and talking crap about players or coaches i went and saw unc's because i followed them on instagram their unc basketball page and all the comments when they posted the score after they lose because they have to post you know win or lose they have to post the final score and it's like all positive comments like hey great job guys like love and support like you did the best you could and it's like (laughs) You would never see this in the comments of an NBA or NFL team that just lost. But college, I think, you know, we keep the perspective of, man, these are just kids and they're not getting paid salary by the teams. Uh, They got the NIL stuff now, but it's just different. I'm starting to come around to the culture of it a bit more. I've historically been uh, anti-college basketball and football because it's just a lower level. It's like the same reason why I don't watch high school uh, sports that I didn't attend that high school to. It's just lower quality but um there's there's some culture to it you know there's some pride to it that's definitely admirable uh, my guy caleb love hit the big shot against duke and then just didn't have the same magic he had he was forcing it a bit he's got some bill simmons irrational confidence to him and he rolled his ankle as well i don't know how much that affected him um but he was definitely going for the big shot trying to go two for two in the last two games and and be the hero um, there was that last position when they had like 15 seconds or 15 or 20 seconds left and he just pulls up from way deep trying to tie the game and uh, it ended up being okay because they got a couple more looks out of it but when he pulled up it was the most like predictable like I just know he's just going to pull the trigger on this thing from way deep and it's not going to go well because he's been off all game and of course it was like nearly an air ball kick it back out Huff Johnson who was throwing up on the court. Haven't seen that since uh, McNabb in the Super Bowl against the Pats. Someone throwing up on the big stage like that was pretty awesome. Puff Johnson also in the running for coolest name in sports right now. As I'm watching this guy, I'm like, he looks just like Cam Johnson, who played at UNC a few years ago. Like, play style looks almost identical. I think they had the same number even. The face kind of looks the same. And then next day I find out they're brothers. So that, that all makes sense. All lines up. Um, he got a look, and then the last play, uh, Kansas guy steps out of bounds with four seconds left, which if they lost, that would have been one of the all-time mistakes, like Fab Five timeout like at that level. You're up by three in the national championship game, four seconds left. You get the inbounds and step out of bounds and give it back to UNC to get another look. They're lucky that, that it didn't go uh, UNC's way. But then the last shot they had an inbounds play, UNC did, and, you know, they clearly had it drawn up to get Brady Manick a three look like in the corner. Um, and he's as he's coming across the key, he gets tripped up and falls. They have to inbound the ball. And then, of course, Caleb Love gets another deep look at it when he sees that Manick is not in his spot. So he gets tripped up. Manick was, like, punched in the face about 50 times in that game. So really tough, tough loss for UNC. But like many UNC fans have said in the last couple of days, uh, they're willing to give up this, this national championship and maybe one or two other ones just to have that win against Duke. 
um, or late last week, which is just legendary. The first time Duke and UNC ever face off in March Madness, and it's Coach K's last game. And not to mention Duke has five first-round picks on their team, and UNC doesn't even have one solidified NBA prospect. Incredible that UNC got that win. And they also rained on Coach K's parade back in Cameron uh, for his last game there. So pretty awesome for UNC. Good run. Good run, boys. Love and support. Um, let's talk NBA MVP. I'm going to do some blind resume stats before we get into the narratives with, when we bring on Andrew. So I'm pulling up all the stats here. Total games, wins, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, turnovers, field goal percent, three-point percent, free throw percent, effective field goal percent, which accounts for threes being more valuable than twos, true shooting percentage, which accounts for twos, threes, and free throws, usage rate, so these are all like the deep analytics of the NBA, right? Usage rate is any possession that ends in a field goal attempt, free throw attempt, or turnover from that player. So I always thought the usage rate would be like the amount of time, the percent of time that that player has the ball in their hands. So like when you think about like James Harden on Houston in those days, I thought his usage rate was so high because he just was dribbling for like 20 seconds out of the 24 second shot clock. But if that possession ended in a pick and roll and James Harden throws an alley-oop to like Clint Capella back in those days, that play would be under Clint Capel's usage, not James Harden, which is interesting. Um, offensive rating, the higher the better. So Kyrie and Donovan Mitchell, their offensive rating is like 118. And then defensive ratings, lower is better. So Marcus Smart, my guy, Defensive Player of the Year, and uh, former Defensive Player Rudy Gobert, their defensive ratings at 105. So lower is better. And then PER, which kind of is talked about to be like the end-all be-all of advanced stats, which isn't perfect, uh, but it sums up all the players' positive impacts and subtracts all the negative and returns a permanent rating of a player's performance. The league average is set to a PR of 15. The all-time high, I believe it's Michael Jordan, who has like a PR of 30-ish over the span of his career. Um, average player is 15. So, and then VORP, which is a, a deep, deep analytic. It's value over replacement player, plus minus, which isn't perfect because uh, it's just the net change of the score when that certain player is on or off the court. So if, if you have a player like, uh, let's say, Jokic, when he's off the court, the rest of his team sucks. And so when the bench is on and he's off the court, his plus minus is going to be a bit inflated than, say, a guy like um, Embiid or Giannis, who when they're off the court, their bench and depth is a lot better. You know, they're, they're on teams that are championship contenders, so their plus minus is not going to be as drastic. Uh, win shares, it's the estimated number of wins by the team contributed to that player. So I don't know how exactly you quantify that, um, but I guess their overall impact. So out of those 20 basic stats and deep analytics, one player has 13 that he's leading in, and then one player has 15 that he's in the middle between those three, and, and then one player has 11 of the worst. Um, so that 13 is Jokic. He's leading in games played, total rebounds, assists, steals, field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage. He has the lowest usage rate, which I think is valuable if you have a lower usage rate because that means you're getting your team more involved. I think it's bad if you have the highest usage rate. I don't, I don't think that's a good thing. He has the best offensive rating, highest PER, VORP, plus, minus, and a win share. Uh, and then Giannis is the middle, who's who's kind of in the middle of all those stats. And then Embiid is the worst in 11 out of the 20. So if you're going off stats 
and analytics, Jokic is the clear MVP. And I, I would say that portion of it, the stats and analytics, is probably 40% of what goes into a, a certain player getting MVP. I think your record and team success is probably not that much because it probably used to be a lot more. Like back in the day, Bill Russell would win MVP over Wilt because Bill Russell was on the better team. And mind you, that was players voting, which I think tells you even more an accurate story rather than media people voting who are, uh, you know, spun in every direction by narratives and, you know, um, players and agents talking to them and trying to convince them who to vote for. When you had players voting and the players would vote for Bill Russell over Wilt Chamberlain when Wilt was averaging 50 points a game and Bill Russell gets MVP. Um, I think that's saying something. So if you're just going off the sets and analytics, it goes Jokic, Giannis, then Embiid. And Embiid came out in the last couple days and he's like, I don't know why I'm not the front runner for MVP. I don't know why it's Jokic, blah, blah, blah. I feel like they hate me. And I just, I don't know why he's he's taking this angle for it, saying I don't know why they hate me, the media members, they hate me. It's like, what what argument do you have? You don't have a better record than Giannis and the Bucks. You don't lead in nearly any advanced or basic analytics other than total scoring, which he, LeBron's probably going to win the scoring title, which I think is a, a disgrace if if you're not like top 10 in scoring in the whole league, I, I think you should be disqualified from getting the scoring title for that season when you're only playing like 50 games. Um, and then at the end, you're sitting out three games in a row just to play one and try to go get 40. Like we saw what Kyrie was doing earlier in the season and it wasn't necessarily his choice, kind of his choice, but not really about the vaccine stuff, why he wasn't playing in Brooklyn. But he would only play like one or two games a week and he would drop like 40 or 50 and he had all this rest between. When you have to go play every single game, we've seen the stats take a dive now, you're not going to produce at the same level. So LeBron's playing every third game or whatever it is now, and he's dropping 40 points in every game trying to make sure that he gets the scoring title, which uh, I think is a disgrace and a, a dishonorable way to try to win it. Um, when Embiid is, is going to play like 65, 66 games and average like .1 less and be way higher in the total points on the season, I don't even think LeBron's going to finish top 10 in total points, so I think he should be disqualified. But So I don't think Embiid has much ground to stand on for. I feel like they hate me when he's third in uh, basically all the stats and wins. Uh, now I'm going to get into the narratives. I'm going to bring Andrew on to talk about that because I feel like that's probably another 40% of the, the argument. If, if 40% is your stats, 40% is the narratives, and then just like the team success. So we're going to talk about narratives uh, between the three and who kind of has the advantage there. And then we're going to talk state of the AFC West. So appreciate everyone listening. Thanks for the support. We've had pretty good success with uh, the memes we've been putting out on Instagram lately. Glad you guys are fans of that. So uh, keep following along. Appreciate it. I think most people tend to lean towards the narratives. But as far as the voters go, I mean, those guys are informed. They, they look at everything. But they're still influenced too. And I would definitely say it's over 50%. I feel like they have to use the stats to find out like who are the top guys. But then definitely. like in this situation, we have the top three. So now it comes down to stories where like you can give the award probably to either Giannis, Jokic, or Embiid and no one's going to flip out. It's not like Nash winning it over Shaq, you know. But 
I do feel like this one is close enough to where the story has to be right for that person. I also think this is, I have this here, the first time I, I'm pretty sure on this, I, I checked somewhat. First time top three candidates have all been international players. The only other international players that have won, Hakeem, Duncan, if we consider Duncan and Nash international, you know, Nash is Canadian, Duncan was a U.S. Virgin Islands. But Hakeem, Duncan, Nash, Dirk, Giannis, and Jokic are the only international players to ever win. I don't think two or three in any of those years was also an international player. But for sure not top three. I think three. I heard that too. For sure not top three. Which is crazy, just, speak, just speaks to like, how much the game has grown. Like you think of all the international talent in the league right now, you know, Luca's a guy that's, you know, top five or six for MVP talks as well. Um, just crazy how many international guys, all, basically all the white guys in the league are international. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes, sometimes I'll stop and pause and be like, okay, American white guy, who is, who is up there <laughs> in the league? Yeah, it's, we uh, thought we had Jimmer. Oh, Jibber, Jibber was close. We got like, I don't even know, TJ McConnell. We had uh, JJ Redick. JJ Redick. My guy. It's just Larry Legend. That's it. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's it. number one, and I don't even know who number two would be. It's number one, and the drop-off is miles long. I mean, number so, two is like Jerry West. Jerry West, yeah. Let's see who we got over here. Jerry West. That's it. I don't know. Uh, Kevin McHale. Yeah. Yeah. Stockton's a good one. That's tough. All right. It is. Hey. But yeah, these international white guys. <laughs> yeah. Nicola. Oh man. Dirt. So, so the narrative against Giannis right now is that we can't give him too many MVPs. <laughs> like this guy, he didn't get it last year because we didn't want to give him three straight and Jokic was just as good. <laughs> um, but Giannis's stats got better from like the times where he did win MVP and there's a fight to give it to him still. But if you think about it, like I feel like the best players, they get the bulk of their MVPs in their prime. And it's not like Giannis is going to be winning 10 MVPs. You know, he's going to get, you know, four or five in his prime yeah. and then that's it. It's like LeBron, you know, uh, the argument for LeBron is always like, oh, he should get the MVP every year, but he's just not in his prime anymore. So he doesn't win it, but he won back to back twice in the mid teens. So giving too many MVPs to Giannis. Okay. Embiid is the new guy, right? Like we always, we're always looking for the new thing. It's John Morant for a week. It's DeRozan for a week. It's book for a week. It's Tatum for two weeks. Um, Embiid is and. Em- <laughs> I had to get that in there. Ouch. Embiid is like the new guy. You know, he's never won it before. I feel like the way he handled the Ben Simmons situation is actually being overlooked <laughs> of how good he handled that. He really um, did. And then he's in contention with Giannis and LeBron for the scoring title, which I have more thoughts on. But your thoughts on Embiid being the new guy? I like it. And I think that's at the end of the day, I think a lot of people want him to win just because it is. We like to spread the award around um, just so we don't have like a monopoly on it where Giannis could legitimately win this if we were going on stats and even the narratives too. Um, Giannis could win this five, six years in a row because he's the best player in the league and he is in his prime, like you're saying. But yeah, Embiid is making this awesome ascent and people want to reward that. Like people love the fact, you know, which is from his upbringing going to Kansas, like learning English, 
from uh from twitter and stuff like the dudes the dude's crazy but the troll aspect I, uh, oh my gosh it's awesome and and really like that second point with the whole simmons situation the only heat he got was people speculating about you know his tweet with uh the guy dressed up at the funeral just a nice man dressed up <laughs> yeah, it's funny. and so it's funny people you know so they I, feel like, I feel like the narrative is shifting pro Embiid, where Embiid probably has the worst stats and analytics out of the three. Somehow the narrative is he, you know, he's number one in that, which is keeping him in it. And then Jokic, I feel like no one wants Jokic to get the award again. No way this guy can go back to back. He can't, his team is a 60. They might be in the play in tournament. Like there's no way we can give a guy in the play in, (laughs) even though he only has a one less win right now than Giannis and Embiid on the season. And he could end up with more. There's still a week left. You never know what could happen. So, and the Nuggets had 47 wins last year. Right now they have 46 with a week to go. So they're going to have more wins than he did last year when he won MVP. And it wasn't a problem for anyone then that he didn't have, you know, the most wins in the conference. I like Jokic. If, if I had a vote and if the season ended today, it'd be, it'd be the Joker. But I mean, the guy just adds it up in the stats and uh, yeah, I, I don't know if people look at him and they're like, Oh, he's kind of tubby. Like <laughs> he moves around a little awkward. No, that's real. I just, the guy just hoops. He's and not sexy. No, he's not. He's not Giannis. Like went from skinny twig to this Superman, literally. Um, I don't know if Giannis really is like sexy or cool either though. Like Giannis oh, is kind of a hundred percent is Giannis is a tryhard. And Embiid, beads like the cool one. I feel like Giannis is, is like cool. Giannis is like the guy that you draft first in every all-star game because you know he's gonna try way harder than everybody else. <laughs> Cause he doesn't he he only has one gear, you know. He's not like That's all right, true. We're, just, we're just taking it easy, which is why I think he deserves. I mean, if I was voting, I would vote for Giannis. I, I think he's yeah. the best player right now. And you know, Kevin Durant, I think I would take Kevin Durant for one game or one series, but over the course of a season. Or an all-star game. <laughs> yeah. I think Giannis is the, the guy who's gonna give you the best results. Um, the other thing with Jokic that's a real negative is that we don't want to give him back-to-back MVPs. The only guys in history that have gotten back-to-back MVPs, it's Russell Wilt, Kareem, Moses, Bird, Magic, MJ, Duncan, Nash, LeBron, Steph, and Giannis. <laughs> Nash is definitely the the eyesore in that crew, you know. Absolutely not. Okay. He's the only one on there that hasn't won a championship. But if you're if you're the MVP, you're the MVP. And like I'm even I'm I'm super biased with this though. So oh Nash sorry, is my yeah, guy yeah. through and through. No, I yeah. love Nash. Nash is one of my like favorite players when I was a kid. But like looking at this list, he's not in that True. tier. True. He's not, he's not. Like if you no. were to rank these, they're all pretty tight. You know, they're all like top 15, 20 guys. I mean, these are like the top like 10, 15 players ever. Yeah. And um, then Nash is a drop-off. Yeah. That is true. KD never won back-to-back either. It's tough. And we don't know if Jokic is going to solidify himself in that like elite crew of all-time NBA guys. We know Giannis is there. Giannis, and I have this on the side that you can see, I have Giannis as like the 21st best player of all time right now. I have him right below KG, Dirk, and Isaiah Thomas. I have Giannis above Carl Malone and Charles Barkley. So Giannis is there. He could probably get moved up this list. He's probably getting in the Moses, Dr. J range after this season. And if he wins, I mean, he's right at like getting close to the Hakeem level, um, which is 
I have Hakeem like 12th all time right now. So Giannis is getting up there. And I don't know if we're ready to put Jokic in that crew yet. Definitely not. Yeah, when you zoom out like that, it's it's tough to put him in the back-to-backs and even then in the all-time list. But you really have to take it case by case, season by season, in my view, and look at who is providing the most value. And Giannis is there, and Bede is there too, especially with, I mean, James is, he's barely alive some games, but you take Jokic out of that Nuggets equation, and I mean, they're they're not in the plane, I don't think. Oh, and, no, they, they were eliminated three weeks ago if Jokic wasn't on yeah, their team. Yeah, and so he's everything to them. Just yeah. like Giannis is a majority to the Bucks, but he's also got help. Um, Embiid, he's he's a little bit more of like the lifeline, kind of similar to Jokic there too. Yeah, you can always throw in like these different yeah. these different questions that you know different scenarios to kind of find the right answer. And it's like, okay, what guy means the most to their team? That's probably Jokic, but he means the most to his team by such a wide gap because they're not championship contenders. You know, we know they're not going to win it. Yeah. And so if he had Jamal Murray playing, maybe that takes some of his stats off most likely. And then that maybe eliminates him from MVP conversation. It's like when the Warriors had Steph and KD, it offset, you know, either of them from getting the MVP because they were both so good, you know? So they had to, to share sure. stats. If I were to ask you, who do you, who do you want for one game out of these three? Who would you say? Giannis. Who would you want for one series? It's closer, but probably still Giannis, yeah. And over the course of a, a whole season? That's where, like... I could see Jokic. I, I could see Jokic being the yeah. answer there. Okay, who yeah. do you want for one play on offense? You know, last second. Embiid, I think. Because you think he's just going to get fouled and sink a couple free throws? He gets fouled. He's got, I think, probably the most moves in the post. And yeah. then... I think and, and can shoot shoots the three. It. Who would you want for one possession on defense? Well, according to the defensive, <laughs> um, I know you remember what Giannis did to your sons last year. Uh, gosh, yeah, no, it's Giannis because the dude just is a tryhard and guy has one level, like you're saying. Um, ah, yes. Yeah. It's tough, but I feel like the answer to the majority of these questions ends up, ends up being Giannis. Right. But we can't give him too many MVPs. <laughs> and that's the narrative. <laughs> yeah. But he's already won two. You know, it's funny. It's like we gave we didn't we gave him two and a defensive player of the year before he won a title. And but now he's happy yet. And now he's we won the title. Won. And now we're like, no, 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 no. It's like we gave it to Jokic last year, and then Giannis proved us wrong that he was the best player. Uh I know. Not not that he proved us wrong because it's a regular season award and he was better in the playoffs, you know. But right, it is what it is. It's weird, but I would give it to Giannis. There's a week left. I think they'll probably end up with a higher seed than the 76ers. I feel like the 76ers are terrified to face Brooklyn in like a two seven matchup. So I feel like they're going to hang out in the three or four spot. Bucks don't care. They're kind of resting guys. They got blown out by uh, Robert Covington the other night. <laughs> And then Jokic, Yoke, yeah. Yoke, if they stay out of the play-in, if he's in the play-in, I don't think he'll get it. I think too many people hold out against them. 
Those are all valid points. I, I like the back-to-back that list. That's you think that's opinion. you think that's convincing to not give it to Jokic? It kind of is in my yeah. mind. That's an elite, elite group. I mean, those are the best players of all time. So, yeah. And for context, Will or uh, Kareem and Russell won three straight. Bird won three straight, and LeBron went back to back twice. So that's it's tough. yeah, that's pretty rare. Rare. So, Jokic. I mean, love him, but. That's he's not in that conversation yet. The guy's just an anomaly, though, it, with the stats. Like, oh, yeah, it's crazy how efficient I mean, he is, and he, he shoots threes too. So, it's not like he's just like a Robert Williams that only catches oops. Yeah. Um, and that's why his like his PR is like the highest ever. But <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's do state of the AFC West. Your Raiders, my Chargers, we got the Broncos making moves, and the Chiefs. I like the moves the Chiefs have made from a Chargers perspective. So Raiders get Devontae Adams. They pair him back up with his college buddy, Derek Carr. It was rumored that, you know, Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen had talked in the past. I was kind of hopeful that maybe we could get Devontae on the Chargers. Once once Aaron Rodgers decided he was coming back, I thought the Packers would for sure keep Devontae. And then I don't know what's going on now. I don't know how Rodgers is, like, okay with this or what the deal is with, with that situation, but – he, he ends up not wanting to play on the franchise tag, so they let him seek a trade, and he said, get me to Vegas. Vegas, baby. Yeah. No, I was, I was uh, very, very surprised that that went down, especially after Rodgers came back, because the whole conversation around them was they're tied at the hip, Rodgers and Adams. They're wherever Rodgers goes. Last dance. Goes, they were going to go last yeah. dance part two. Yeah. Exactly. And losing the conference finals again probably. To the 49ers, yeah. And Rodgers comes back, and then Devontae's out like a few days later. It's crazy. But I I'm can't believe happy. it. Like, who's Rodgers throwing to? I, I don't get it. And uh, MBS is gone. Is, yeah, Lazard's Lizard catching and, on. Uh, the running back, Aaron the Jones. And Tunyon. Yeah, Aaron Jones. Weird. And then you guys get Chandler Jones. So that one, at first, I was, I was a little mixed feelings because we had – Part of that trade was Yannick and Gakwe. So we give up Yannick and we get Rocky Asin from the Colts. Um, could be good, hopefully. We need somebody back there with Nate Hobbs to not get bombed on. All right, Chargers, we get Khalil Mack, who Brandon Staley has the biggest man crush for in the history of all time. So Brandon Staley coached Khalil Mack when he was a linebacker coach for the Bears in like 2018 or 2017 or something like that. And there's a someone made a video compilation of every time Brandon Staley had said Khalil Mack's name in like an interview. And it's like 30 times where he's like, you know, I've coached guys like Khalil Mack. You know, Khalil Mack used to do this. I, I love Khalil Mack. He reminds me of Khalil Mack. Like just every every interview he just brings him up. And then JC Jackson was my number one free agent. So I was very happy yeah. about that. And then Gerald Everett, good pickup to replace uh, Jared Cook who had some very untimely drops and uh, one of which I'm sure you remember from that last game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, that was, was a great play. Ad, though. It was, it was uh, I love Jared Cook. <laughs> We've got Jared Waller, so you stay away. But Jared Cook was liked, a one-time Raider. He was. Yeah. He was a former Saint as well. So, so from a Raiders perspective, how do you view the Chargers moves? Oh, scary. Scary to me, the Chargers are the best team in in the AFC West now. Um, 
and I think they should be favored to finish out number one. Um, Mac and Bosa. Derek Carr is going to get – he's going to be eating a lot of grass, unfortunately, because we answered all of our major concerns except for the offensive line. But Khalil, Mac – I'm sure you guys will draft someone really good for the O-line in the first round. I'm sure that's coming. yeah. No. (laughs) Well, it'll be in the third round, which is usually our sweet spot. (laughs) That's where we get good players. Well, normally you're drafting third. Normally you're drafting third round grade guys in the first round. So I think that I think your mind is just locked in on third round. Yeah, I really am, and that's why to backpedal a little bit. Devontae Adams to me, we didn't give up anything because we gave up a first. Yeah, what was it? Two firsts or a first and a second? I don't remember, but it was nothing. Something like that. I think it was a first and a second round. Yeah. Um, for Devonte, and that's okay because the last few years the way we've been drafting i mean we got josh jacobs in the early rounds and he's been okay but renfro crosby all these guys are coming later um and we've had a way longer list of busts like arnett and cleveland farrell and alex leatherwood <laughs> it's just yeah. it goes on and on Name so them. yeah yeah so it's crazy because so if, if you were to look at what Ross and thank you for saying the chargers have, are the best team. I appreciate that. Hey, I think, I I'm think honest. we have the, the bet, the highest graded roster, like on Madden, we probably have the highest overall, you know, yeah. uh, best yeah, team. Probably. I will see most improved. I think the Broncos are the most improved team. Cause if you think about it, um, they swap out drew lock for Russell Wilson. And if we're naming the top 10 quarterbacks, maybe 50% of people have Russell Wilson in the top 10, 50% don't maybe. At, at worst, you know, he's like 13, 14 at worst, at best six or seven, just depends how much of a man crush you have on him. Um, so Devonte Adams, you didn't have to give up, you know, you, you're not swapping out Hunter Renfro for Devonte Adams. You keep Renfro and Waller and then add Devonte to that mix. Khalil Mack, we didn't have to give up Bosa, JC Jackson, we don't have to give up Derwin James. So we add him to the mix. So, but most improved, I mean, Russell Wilson swapping out for Drew Locke is massive. That defense, the Broncos defense was so good last year. And yeah, they had to, they were on the field at time because that offense was atrocious. But their big piece, kind of like the 49ers, is this quarterback. Um, 49ers are still figuring out their stuff, but the Broncos solved it with this trade. And then they add Randy Gregory too, which we can get into, but I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely most improved was the Broncos. Yeah, part of the Broncos defense, and no one's really talking about this, is Vic Fangio was their head coach, who's a genius defensive coach. And he was the defensive coordinator for that Bears team back in 2017. Brandon Staley was the linebacker coach. And now the Broncos head coach was the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator from last year because they were trying to lure Aaron Rodgers over. So I feel like the Broncos defense is a bit overrated and probably going to take a step back because they don't have that defensive minded head coach anymore. They have an offensive coordinator head coach and Randy Gregory. Yes. I, I think their, their roster and their defense are a tad overrated and they have a good receiving core, but I think the Raiders and chargers both have better receiving cores and the chiefs did until they gave up Tyree kill which I'm very pleased that they made that trade with the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, no, I am too. And, and I get why they did it 
you know, you can't have that, that many high salary players on the same roster. Um, not at that level. And so you have to keep Patty. Um, and Kelsey is just once in a generation player. Tyreek is too, but receivers, it was the combo. Receivers are a lot. It was the combo of Kelsey and Hill that I hated oh, oh, so much. Yeah. No, no, cause you beat them short, you beat them long either way. Yeah. They're going to beat you. So Kelsey, you have to keep Kelsey. You have to keep Patty Tyreek. Yeah. It's a huge loss, but they also can, they can adjust on the fly and they'll make it work. So long-term for them, that's what they're playing. Patty's got a 10 year contract. They're trying to stretch this out to be dominant over the course of a lot of years. Whereas yeah. it's not, it's not a Rams all in this year type of mindset. Right. No, that's a good point. The chargers are going pretty all in. So are the Raiders and Broncos yeah. chiefs more probably have a, a far side on this. Where Mahomes' contract, it's going to be expensive, the middle part of it. You know, it's starting to get expensive, but on the back end of it, it's going to be probably a great deal based on how much the cap's probably going to go up. So they add Juju, they lose Honey Badger, they add Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which is the average, and then Justin Reed uh, replacing the Honey Badger, basically. Um, Those guys don't scare me that much. Juju, MVS, and, and Justin Reed, like decent, you know, pros, but... They don't scare me like a Tyree Kill or a Devontae Adams or a Russell Wilson like the other teams. Definitely not. Um, and so it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see how the Chiefs kind of rearrange and uh, kind of regroup here because it's not gonna be the deep bombs anymore um, that just open up games and destroy teams' morale. Like they're they're gonna have to do some serious soul searching. I don't think it's going to take them that long because they've still got a lot of their pieces. And these aren't like terrible receivers, but you also have a more spread out um, distribution now to where they don't have to sick all the attention onto Tyreek, you know? Um, yeah. Any of these guys could go off if, uh, what's his name? Kelsey's being blanketed. So, yeah, true. This is really going to expose uh, Tua as well, having Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Oh. A wide open 80 yards down the field and, and Tua gets it halfway to him. I was thinking about that today. I was like, man, I remember when we talked before that draft happened and you were you were gunning for Tua. Like most people were. He was higher in the draft. And hey, you then, can't say that on here, man. You can't you can't be throwing that out. <laughs> hey, we were we all were. We all were gunning for Tua. I was cool with but, Tua. Oh I was cool with Tua or Herbert, but when people started to say Jordan Love was better than Herbert, that's where I drew the line thousand percent um but man the chargers like to get herbert and to see where two is at Tua can still show like he shows flashes and he's got he's got some potential but um yeah we'll see comparing the two is not even fair they're gonna get that san francisco offensive guy over there and he's gonna do some weird (laughs) stuff like they did with debo the thing is tyree kill hates being tackled probably more than anyone else in the nfl like he will run backwards out of bounds to avoid being hit (laughs) have you noticed that with him yeah yeah if he's on the sideline he'll literally step backwards out of bounds so he doesn't get hit his body is what makes him the money so you got to preserve it but he's he's not going to be debo samuel like that's not what's going to happen and jalen waddle He's not a big guy either, and he's had some substantial injuries in the past as well, so it'll be interesting. But, I mean, the AFC West is going to be a dogfight. Whoever comes out of it, hopefully they're healthy and can make a run in the playoffs, whether it's my team or your team. 
but man, like I enjoy the competition. I would be, I would be upset if they all made moves except you know my team. Well, I, I was scared that the Raiders weren't going to make any moves, <laughs> and then we got the Chandler Jones thing came in. I was like, okay, cool, but we're still like the Raiders, and then Devonte just blew that whole thing up, and I was so happy. Like, love what McDaniel's and Ziegler are doing. These Patriots guys bring whatever magic you had over there in New England and just shower us in Vegas yeah. because they're not really doing the, the Raiders. New, they're not really doing the New England way though of like you know cheap no. contracts. They're kind of going for it. No, which is yeah, it's it's a different uh, it's different than what old Bill would approve of. But I like it. Like we're we're going and getting these guys and um, yeah. I, to add on to an already solid core. And yeah, if we fix the offensive line, I mean, I think the Raiders could hang with any of these teams. Yeah. Again, biased, but that's your weakness. Line is what's going to kill us. That is your weakness. Chargers, it's going to be injuries. We got some guys on the defensive line too who nobody's ever heard of them, but, you know, they seem like solid guys. Probably going to pick up a, another defensive lineman or a linebacker, maybe <laughs> offensive lineman in the draft. So we'll see how it goes. Andrew, Appreciate you being on. I'm very excited to see our uh, Chargers Raiders matchups this next season. Oh, yes, sir. But before that, go Suns. <laughs> hey, they're going to make a run. If they don't make it to the finals, then <sighs> Chris Paul is cursed. Uh, don't even say that. But, yes, we, we should make a run. Hey, maybe my, maybe my Celts will meet you in the finals. How about that? I'm okay with that now that there's no Robert Williams. <laughs> he's he's going to be back in the second round. Yeah. They got to make it out of the first round, though. That's true. Going to be tough. All right, man. <laughs> be appreciate tough. it. All right. See you later. Later. Thanks for listening to My Wife Hate Sports. You can get us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most other places you listen. Also, follow us on Instagram at Sports underscore. Have a good week.